Happy Friday. Welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the morning on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Thanks for being with us on this rainy day in the fort. Wow, we already got text rolling in about the IU coaching hire. We'll get to that after headlines. Excited to debate that with you, Justin. What, me? Uh, no, I've come around. I love the hire. No, no. Get out of here. Get out of here. You do not love You hate the hire. Um, Hate's a strong word. I, I dislike the hire, I would say. <laughs> we'll get to that after headlines. Whew, what a fr- What a week. I don't know. It's, it, there's just been a lot of stuff going on lot, this week in the world of sports. A lot going on. A lot to debate. It's been uh, a good week on the on the show we were talking about yesterday. Usually, you know, you get to Wednesday. You're like, man, just slogging through on a Wednesday before you can turn the page to the weekend and start talking about what's coming up. But it's been, it's been every day. We've got plenty to talk about. And uh, texters have been great in terms of uh, giving us their input on everything. So let's do it again today. Usually Wednesday or Thursday are slow days. No such case this week. Not this um, week. It, is, it has been a bevy of news and, and topics and everything. So it's it's been a good week. Uh, but a lot to get, you, get to. We'll start on headlines this morning. Thursday night football. The Cowboys hold off the Seahawks 41-35. to Both Geno Smith and Dak Prescott had pretty solid games. Geno, 334, three touchdowns, a pick. Dak, 299, three touchdowns, no picks. And DK Metcalf, six catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns. Outstanding performance from him last night, um, including getting one of those touchdowns before halftime where, it, it, what, was that the third try that they actually got the touchdown yes. to stand? <laughs> yes, third time's a charm. Between reviews and penalties. But it was a good lot. performance. Yeah, there was a lot. The, the Seahawks yesterday. are one of those teams that, like, they're right there. It still feels like they're a quarterback away. Oh man, hating on Geno. Geno's huh? had a good year. I just don't think back he to can back good years. I don't think he can get them to that next level. Like, they could be a wild card team. That's about right. It. Uh, yes, I, I I look at the at the Seahawks as yeah not amongst the top teams in the NFC, but maybe right below. But this game was wild. Uh, it was the first game. First, it was the sixth game in NFL history with zero punts. Okay, um, the Seahawks are the first team in NFL history to lose a game scoring thirty-five or more points, not punting. The first team in NFL history that has lost. That, that's nuts. Um, another big one: two hundred fifty-seven pa- penalty yards last night. Kind of a lot. <laughs> uh, also. If you are a Cowboys fan and getting excited about what this team could do, this is also the first win for the Cowboys this season over a team that entering the game was 500 or better. Well, and that's the thing with the Cowboys and also with the Dolphins, right? That I just can't overlook. The Dolphins, yeah, they're they have a, a, an eight and three record, but you look at who they've beaten; it's not exactly an impressive list. Their best win is what Denver. And that was back when Denver was bad, bad at the start of the year. Yeah, it's um, you're waiting for them to get a, a marquee win. Came close last uh, or a couple weeks ago with with Kansas City, um, but they'll have a chance in a couple weeks because they play Dallas. But yeah, it was an exciting Thursday night football game. Stayed up, Dak throwing for almost 300 yards, three touchdowns. The MVP being thrown around for Dak. I, I mentioned it to you yesterday off air. 
talk about the NFC. And despite the Cowboys being nine and three, despite Dak play, playing very well, he's still not for the majority of people that aren't Dallas Cowboys fans. They're not being talked about as one of the elite teams in the NFC. You start that conversation with Philly and San Francisco. And Cowboys are just kind of there because of Dak Prescott, because we know how this goes once we reach the playoffs. Can this year be different for Dak and the Cowboys? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, Dak is a a guy who's, what, like 10th, 11th, 12th, as far as if you were to rank quarterbacks in the league. Good, not outstanding, and I think that's the doubt, right? I, I mean, Dallas has a talented team. The defense is good. They've withstood some injuries and it's still not really hurt them a lot, at least as far as on the defensive side. They have talented players on offense. They moved on from Zeke. Tony Pollard, uh, he didn't have a you know a big game last night, but he does enough to get them by. And that's how the running game works in the NFL anymore, right? Just do enough to get you by. And yet, because he's not Jalen Hurts or because he's not with the Niners where they have the best of the best in terms of you know, best best running back in the league, some of the best receivers in the league, one of the best tight ends in the league, great defense, great pass rush. All Brock Purdy has to do is just set it up and limit mistakes. You look at at, at uh, Dak Prescott's career, two and four in the playoffs, has never gotten past the divisional round of the playoffs. That still remains the big question for Dallas is in the playoffs – can Dak Prescott do what he's been doing for most of the regular season? I'll give him credit. Can he do it when it matters? He hasn't been able to do it so far in his career in the playoffs, but we'll see if that can change this season. I, I think that's the hesitation with, with taking the cap, right? It's yeah, just no, simply, it's all of that's for me. Yeah. That's the entirety uh, of it. Everything else on the roster you feel good about. Defense has been very good. A lot of skill position talent. It's just Dak. Dak's got to prove it. Elsewhere in the NFL, uh, Bills player Von Miller turned himself in yesterday after an arrest warrant was issued for him. Uh, He's been accused of allegedly assaulting a pregnant woman. Uh, This happened in suburban Dallas area. He turned himself late in the afternoon. He faces a a charge of third-degree felony assault, uh, punishable by 2 to 10 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. He was booked into the DeSoto Tri-County Jail, $5,000 bond. He was released a short time later. Ugly situation. Not ideal for Von Miller, who um, also had a kind of a similar incident in 2021 in Colorado. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, not ideal. Not a, not a good situation to wake up to, for sure. And, and according to more documents, um, Miller and the woman have been in a relationship for seven years, have children together. She told police that she is six weeks pregnant. So uh, not not a good situation at all for Von Miller. Not at all. Uh, meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh already showing up on the uh, NFL radar for a couple of teams. Reports that he could be a potential hire for the Bears, which is no surprise. Also reportedly drawing interest from the Panthers. Now, I think I know which organization he would choose in that scenario. Uh- Continued talk that that the Bears is looked at as a destination place for Jim Harbaugh because of his uh, relationship, obviously with with the, with the Bears playing for them and, and looking at Mike Dicka as very much a mentor and all that stuff. So, the thing with with Jim Harbaugh is he's going to be having to get him to land him 
is going to you're going to have to hand hand over a considerable amount of personnel control for the roster, and I just don't see the Bears in that situation. I mean, Ryan Poles I think has done enough outside of hiring Matt Eberflus to deserve another season, at least one more season in Chicago. So if Jim Harbaugh is just bringing in to coach, I just don't know if that's enough to entice him to come to Chicago as opposed to somewhere else or staying at Michigan. But we'll see. I, To me, Chicago is a great fit. But yeah, he's he's got to feel like the franchise is going to be serious about trying to win, right? It, it, whatever they've done for years has not worked. And for whatever reason, Harbaugh, who is a guy who is known to develop quarterbacks, uh, the Bears have been unable to develop quarterbacks forever, right? I mean, right. Jim McMahon, right, is like your essentially your best quarterback. I, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling. I guess Jay Cutler you could throw out there too. There's just a lot to be desired when it comes to the Bears and quarterback play. And you can't use the excuse of, oh, it's cold and it's windy because no. Green Bay's had back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, that's a not a good excuse for sure. So could Jim Harbaugh make the the jump to somebody in the NFL? I think uh, remains to be seen. We'll see what Michigan does this weekend and into the college football playoff. If they make it, if they, if they don't lose to Iowa, they'll be good. But we'll see. Meanwhile, uh, from the Bears to the Colts, schedule update. Colts will now host the Steelers. This game has been set. It'll be a Saturday afternoon game, Saturday, December 16th. 4.30 p.m. at Lucas Oil Stadium. That is for week 15. So was that like a TBA game? Yeah, the 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 time and date they have, again, with flex scheduling. So right. it's been moved, and that was one of the games where there was no date and time set, the other being the Houston game in week 18. Gotcha, which is still a TBA. Yes. Point. Yes. So schedule changes in the NFL. Meanwhile, in the portal, more news yesterday. First off for Notre Dame, Braylon James, a wide receiver. Uh, did he even play I this season? I have no idea who that guy is. Uh, but he was a <laughs> freshman. He's transferring. Uh, also, a former Notre Dame target in recruiting. UCLA five-star freshman quarterback, Dante Moore, who started early in the season, then got benched. He is set to enter the transfer portal as well. And I think there was one other guy of note. Oh, Tyrone Tracy. Um he is entering the NFL draft. The Purdue Boilermaker played for Iowa and Purdue, so best of luck to him as he pursues football at the next level. And did you mention DJ Uyagalale? Oh, yeah, that's right. DJ Uyagalale. Uh, everyone's favorite quarterback, DJU. He has entered into the portal as well, and <laughs> we believe he would be a graduate transfer because he wouldn't be able to otherwise. But, uh, yeah, so, look, unfortunately for Oregon State, in Washington State, they're going to lose a ton of guys to the portal. It is what it is. That and it's definite. It has to be a definite concern, and probably already talked about at length out there. Is without a league. I mean, the Pac-12 or Pac-2 isn't a league. It, it, it just it makes no sense. And you're going to have a lot of players leave if they don't have an opportunity to play for a conference championship. So, um, unfortunately for Oregon State, they're already starting to see that. Yes. Uh, so that's the latest news in the portal. Again. Portal opens Monday, so we'll see plenty more announcements, I'm sure, over the weekend, uh, especially after conference championship games, as you have the Pac-12, the final Pac-12 conference championship game. We hardly knew ye. Uh, Tonight, Washington and Oregon should be a great matchup, and then you have 
the ACC title game. You have the Big 12 title game, Big 10 title game, SEC title game. Along all with the title all the other conferences coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow as well. Should be a, a great weekend of college football up ahead. Do you uh, expect the best game to be tonight? Uh, I think on paper it's the best game, but I think a, a different game will surprise us. It, it wouldn't shock me if, the, if it's either the Big 12 or Oklahoma the SEC. State, Texas, yeah, Georgia, Alabama. I think yeah. both those matchups are pretty intriguing as well. I think tonight, yes, highest profile matchup is tonight, but I think those other two matchups, we could see some. And, and look, let's not discount North Carolina, or excuse me, not North Carolina. They, they, Louisville, they choked. Florida yeah, State. Louisville, Florida State. Thank you. Uh, Louisville, Florida State. Because Florida State has been able to hang on for a while, and without their starting quarterback, can they hang on one more time to make the college football playoff? Uh, don't forget the absolute banger down in Indianapolis tomorrow night. Between yeah, Michigan and Michigan Iowa. Michigan and Iowa. Uh, there was a hype video right for Iowa football that someone posted on social media, and it was you know players getting off the bus and running out of the tunnel, getting ready. And then it just was highlights of punts getting down inside the five-yard line. <laughs> this is phenomenal. <laughs> now, playing the what-if game, and fast forward to next year, where there's no divisions in the Big Ten, and it's just the top two teams. If you mm-hmm. took the top two teams this year in the Big Ten, we would have a rematch of Michigan and Ohio State. Yes. Do you believe that could happen at some point in the near future? I think it could. I don't think so. I, I feel like Michigan's so? about to be on a downturn as a program, but especially if, if Harbaugh leaves. If at some point Michigan and Ohio State could play back-to-back games between their, their rivalry game and It'll happen once the Big and Ten, the Big Ten will, will change the schedule. <laughs> but it'd be interesting because people would say, wow, Michigan and Iowa tonight, or tomorrow night riveting. If, if you're using next year and beyond's system, it's Michigan and Ohio State part two back-to-back weeks so i don't think that's ideal either no but then again do, i mean do we get like is there still interest like a week later like that carries over i don't know yeah we don't have to worry yeah. about it so i guess i'm not I've yeah not i mean we're much, putting much a lot of time into the what into if game <laughs> I, I just think i am i mean i'm interested that yeah if this is next year those two teams are playing again meanwhile in college basketball some really really positive news and that is the fact that USC guard Bronny James, son of LeBron James, has been cleared to play after he suffered cardiac arrest at a summer workout. So excellent news. Again, I wouldn't expect him to, to return immediately to the lineup. Who knows? I mean, the USC faces number 11 Gonzaga tomorrow in Las Vegas, their next home game December 10th against Long Beach State. So I, I guess he's ready to go, but... Well, I was wondering, like, okay, so so I knew he had a congenital heart defect. Like, so he's just, they, they fix it, but apparently it's been identified and it can and will be treated. So it's not just a, something like an enlarged heart, which can't be treated. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a heart defect that they've identified and now going to be able to treat Bronny James going forward. So great news for him and being able to return at least to practice at this point for USC. And uh, look, I mean, for, for the Pac-12, this is big to have him and have him participate finally because, I mean, when this initially happened, your first thought was, well, besides hopefully he's okay, was that will he play basketball again? And then it was, 
okay, we'll, we'll even play this season. Well, now it sounds like he'll have an opportunity to play as soon as tomorrow. And it's, uh, it's great news. Great news. Absolutely. And in the uh, NBA last night, well, a couple of news regarding the Indiana Pacers. First off, they have a new part owner, and this was uh, something caught everyone by surprise, but Stephen Rails, uh, who graduated from DePaul, a business person, he's acquired a minority stake of the Indiana Pacers, 20% pending league approval. Uh, the Rails family now with interest in the Washington Commanders and the Indiana Pacers. And uh, a, an earlier report said he was buying 15%. So Rails now owns 20% of the team because I, I guess he, he already owned a small percentage. Um, but the valuation three point four seven billion dollars for the Pacers mm. seems seems high because isn't that basically the same that <laughs> Mark Cuban sold off? Yeah, he sold it for three point five billion dollars. Yeah. Seems like a lot, right? I but, I find that fascinating. But interesting news for the Pacers, and then of course they'll play <laughs> in the semifinals on Monday for yeah the the in season tournament, NBA Cup. They'll play uh, Boston, a, a, a game that the Pacers could actually do something in because last night. Pacers defense failed them. Uh, they had a 10-point lead at one point in this game. But they ended up falling to the Heat by 10, 142 to 132, wasting another incredible performance by Tyrese Halliburton. He had 44 points, 10 assists, I think 28 in the first half. So we'll, we'll get to more on this this hour. But the Pacers are wasting an historic season from Tyrese Halliburton so far. It hasn't been good, and the Pacers right now are allowing the most points per game in the NBA. 125.8. Also scoring the most, right? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. But, like, you can only win a certain, a a set amount of games doing that. It's just kind of, uh, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. You can't just outscore everybody all the time. So, they gotta figure it out. Yes, because it's the the defense has been awful. Yes, they are the highest scoring. They are the by league. a significant margin, by like four or five points. Yeah, so so they're scoring the most, giving up the most. It's it's certainly a problem. Four six eight six two, the text line number four six eight six two. That is where you can text us. Just type in CK first in your question or comment. Also, don't forget you can stream us thirteen eighty thefan dot com via the thirteen eighty thefan app or your smart speaker and listen in for free as well. All right, it's official, and we talked about this yesterday morning on the show because he was, at that point, perhaps the leading candidate. IU has named James Madison's Kurt Signetti as the next football coach. He will coach James Madison in their bowl game. He was offered a raise at James Madison. He said he planned to retire there. Uh, he was offered the, the most money in the Sun Belt as far as head coaches, also upping the assistant pool money as well still decided to leave for Indiana. I love the hire. Justin does not. Um, for for every positive, I'm sure he can come up with a negative. So let, let's just dive <laughs> into it. every negative, you can come up with a positive. Yes. So uh, personally to me, IU was able to get a guy who is a winner, who has extensive head coaching experience, albeit not at the Power 5 level, which I don't think they were going to get when you look at their previous hiring history. And a guy who's been able to to build something, James Madison. And I get you can argue, well, that program was already humming when he got there. But it's different going from the FCS to the FBS. In that transition, the success that they've had, 
uh, I think is most impressive. So here's my case. 13 seasons as a head coach. 13 winning seasons. No losing seasons. He's going from being a winner to coaching the the losingest program, right, in in NCAA history. Um, A a school that doesn't win that often. Uh, He went 52-9 at James Madison, 19-4 the last two seasons when they moved up to the FBS. Sunbelt Coach of the Year, endorsed by Nick Saban. Nick Saban had a a statement he released. Remember, Nick Saban's a West Virginia guy. Kurt Signetti is a West Virginia guy. I don't know what it is about West Virginia and producing college coaches, but it's apparently something, right? Um, because also Jimbo Fisher, a West Virginia guy as well. But the the Saban endorsement, the fact that he was a wide receivers coach and recruiting coordinator at Alabama, again, recruiting coordinator at Alabama, mind you, I think that's impressive. And now you have the, the program rallying together. Hoosiers Connect, which is the, the NIL collective, has has something I've never seen before, but it is one of those those Twitter things where if you retweet, uh, there's a matching donor who will make a gift of two dollars for every retweet. If you like it, a dollar for every like on the post. So and, and that has over forty two hundred retweets and seventy two hundred likes. So it's a lot of math, but well over ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars at this point. So to me, there's buzz. There's something that for IU football that we haven't had for quite some time. Now, the hire of Tom Allen was one that made sense. This is a hire that I think could take IU to that next step. You done? I'm, I'm, I'm done for now. I still have other points because I know you'll say other things that I, I can back it up. Uh, IU had an opportunity to show that it was going to move past what it has been for a long time. It had a chance to make a splash with somebody that had proven success and experience at the high FBS level. It could have went to Tom Herman and said, how much is it going to take? It could have went to Dan Mullen and said, how much is it going to take? Instead, it brings in a 62-year-old guy that's never coached the high, not even the mid-FBS level. And so he's won everywhere he's been. It's IU Pennsylvania and Elon and James Madison. It's not Big Ten football. It's not Power Five football. Even if the guy has success, he's 62 years old. Not going to be there for very long. So among other things, I just, and I guess it comes down to this, is what possibly makes you think that with the bad hires that IU has has done time and time and time again, that it's going to work out with Kurt Signetti. What tells you that all of a sudden IU got it right? Because I don't think they got it right. I think they went a different route because the, the previous route they would have done was hire Chris Creighton or Jason Candle, Mac coaches, and go from there. I mean, that's, that's what they did for years. Terry Hepner, Bill Lynch, um, or hire a, a coordinator. Instead, they, they got a guy who's very experienced, multiple levels. Who but not the, not the level that matters. He not has an endorsement from Nick Saban. Um, so? Also, the last time IAU went out and ha- hired a, a quote-unquote Power 5 coach, and, and this is the best I could come up with because there's never been like a that I could find a direct link as far as from a, a Power 5 because to Because they IU. don't try. And the, the closest they came was Jerry DiNardo, who... 
took coach in the XFL for a season, then was hired by you and had zero success in three seasons. Yeah, that was kind so of that's hire, that's that's not a guarantee either. I guess is my point. And I mean, he was at LSU. Jerry Donardo. Yes, it was terrible. LSU. He, he had like way. two good seasons, then flamed out in like five years. But I, I guess to me, the thing is, you went out and hired a guy. He's endorsed by Nick Saban. He's worked under Nick Saban. To me, that alone is more of a selling point than hiring some guy from the Mac or hiring Dan Mullen. Um, because Dan Mullen doesn't excite me. It's a guy who doesn't want to go out and recruit. What makes you think he's going to want to recruit and do anything in the NIL and transfer portal era? Just not going to happen. So you think a, a guy that's 11 years older than Dan Mullen is going to be more more tuned into NIL and, and recruiting? He's clearly figured it out moving from the FCS to the FBS, which is a massive jump. But it's not Big Ten football. It's It's not Power 5 football. I don't care what he did at Elon. I don't care what he did at IU Pennsylvania. I don't care what he did at James Madison. It's a significant step. Up. It's a huge step up that at 62 years old, I'm not convinced that this dude, if this dude was this, this, this great catch, then why wasn't he hired by somebody at 40 years old or 50 when he was at Alabama? When you have, I mean, Alabama is a hotbed for either um, fired coaches that are trying to get another chance and up and coming guys. And instead, Kurt Signetti leaves Alabama for IU Pennsylvania, which tells me that nobody was interested in this guy at the FBS level. He'd never been a coordinator at the FBS level, so he took a chance and took a coaching job and had success and then worked his way up. Elon as a program has been a disaster. He did turn around Elon, but it's Elon. Since he left. Well, there were disaster before, too. Yes, also true. I just, I, I, I can't get excited. And uh, I thought, I thought when I turned on the sports rush yesterday, I was like, I hear, okay, Brett Rump is going to back me up. No, he was all, he was all rainbows and lollipops like you are. I, I just, I don't trust the hire because it's Indiana. There's too many question marks here on Kurt Signetti. He's not a 100% lock. He doesn't check the one box that I thought was the most important thing was power five experience, head coaching experience. And, and it goes back to IU just still being IU. You had an opportunity to really show that you are going to be something different, that you are really going to take football serious now, and you're not. You're not. It, it just reinforces my opinion. And then it comes down to, to if it hasn't worked with Terry Hepner and Bill Lynch and Kevin Wilson and Tom Allen, then what possibly makes people think that it's going to work out with Kurt Signetti? Other than wishful thinking, which I think a lot of this is. I, I just think this is... This is as good as it will will get for Indiana in terms of making a hire until they can consistently prove that they're a program willing to invest and make it work in football. And I think they've finally realized they have to take that step. The time is now. The $3 million in NIL money, you check that box. They're working on football facilities. They're getting there. They still need a stadium renovation. They still need a new indoor practice facility. But other than that, facility-wise, they're there. The fact that Kirk Herbstreet complimented Purdue and IU facilities um, uh, recently tells you all you need to know. That's a guy who's locked into everything in college football. Basically saying the schools in Indiana have excellent top-of-the-line facilities. That says a lot. So now it just comes down to the university going all-in, which I think this is that move. This is what they're doing. You think hiring a 62-year-old guy that's never had a high FBS experience as a high as a as a head coach is all in. Yes, yes, I do. Really? 
Because I, I think hiring Jimbo Fisher or Dan Mullen is just throwing millions of dollars away. They're not motivated to coach here. This is a guy who, this is going to be perhaps his final coaching job. And you're using 62 as like some sort of downside. I see it as a guy who's experienced football at many different levels, who also has coached under Nick Saban, and the, he's finally gotten a deserved opportunity to move up to the FBS level. I think if uh, if this guy was as great as some people think, he would have a job before 62 years old at a major program in a, in a, in a Power 5 conference. There's a reason why he's getting his first opportunity now in, in a power conference. It's because he's not that good. Among other things. I, I mean, he's got an extensive list of experience assisting at big time programs. Alabama. So, so did Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson Pittsburgh, was a coordinator at Oklahoma. North Carolina State. I, I mean, like. I don't care about assistance. I don't care. That, it's the same path that other coaches have been. Kevin Wilson was an assistant at Oklahoma. He was the coordinator at Oklahoma for multiple years. And then, so was at, and then went to Ohio State after IU. Now he's, at least he, he has a coaching job again. He's the head coach at Tulsa. I, Bill Lynch was a coach at Ball State in DePaul. That, Ball State's a bigger program than, than Kurt Signetti ever was at outside of James Madison. And Bill Lynch was terrible. And Terry Hefner, everybody wants to, to be so excited about Terry Hefner. He coached in the MAC at Miami of Ohio. And he had two, he, he didn't even reach bowl eligibility in his two years. Before he tragically passed away. I, I just, there was so much better out there than Kurt Signetti. That's my thing. Maybe it works out. I know p- plenty of people think it's amazing. I mean, gosh, if, if, if ESPN thinks it's a great hire, it must be a great hire because ESPN's never wrong as a texter is texting in. Well, yeah, everybody else thinks it's a great hire. Sorry, you're the one tuning in and want our opinion. I don't think it's a good hire. Maybe I am wrong. I, I, I think it's a great hire. A lot of text rolling into 46862. Uh, CK, he is in you. Act like Big Ten football is SEC football. There's two good teams almost every year, Ohio State and Michigan, then they go get beat by SEC teams in the playoffs. To be fair, there's usually two good SEC teams every year and everybody else. Yes, they may have two to three other teams ranked, right? But they're nowhere close to Alabama and Georgia. So, and I had this discussion with somebody yesterday is because it was the, well, I use never going to be good. So why should they even try to hire somebody big? It's like, that's the mindset that keeps you at the bottom of the big 10 is stop acting like a, a, like you don't matter and actually start trying, like really trying. You're making tens of millions of dollars a year with your big 10, with your big 10 contract, media contract. Like get like get serious too. Like, I, I'm re- like seriously. And if if they would have announced Kurt Signetti along with a major revamp of Memorial Stadium and a and I'm not talking three million. Three million is a drop in the bucket in NIL to what IU really needs to get good players to come to Bloomington. And maybe that starts coming in now with Kurt Signetti. But I'm talking about a complete com- commitment to not just the coaching staff but the entire program. And just because you hired Kurt Signetti, whether you think he's that or not. Doesn't tell me that all of a sudden Indiana is hugely invested into the in the football program. It's because Memorial Stadium is ugly. Nobody wants to go play there. Nobody wants to go watch games there. You don't have enough NIL money. You you're you're just and also ran in the Big Ten, and now it gets exponentially more difficult starting next year. I'll say this: the schedule next year is not as scary as you'd think. It's better that, than Purdue's. That's yeah. for sure. Or at least, Florida International, Western Illinois at home. You're at UCLA, which UCLA, I mean, 
since Chip Kelly has not been fired yet, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he gets fired next year. Um, Charlotte at home, you go 3-1 and one to start the year, you're thrilled. Maryland at home, at Northwestern, Nebraska, Washington at home, at Michigan State, Michigan at home, at Ohio State, Purdue at home. I mean, there is a path to, once again, there is a path to bowl eligibility. Well, here's the thing that's, that's a good thing for Kurt Signetti is he's being brought in to basically find three to four wins because he only has to get to six wins. Tom Allen couldn't consistently do it. Kevin Wilson couldn't consistently do it. Although, interestingly, he got to bowl games his last two years. Um, and then they hired Tom Allen. That's the goal. Okay, so if, you're, if your non-conference remains cake, which IU tries to make that happen, then you basically just have to find three wins in the Big Ten. So is Kurt Signetti capable of doing that? Maybe. I would say probably. But he's not a game changer at IU. He, I, I refuse to buy into this, oh, he's, he's going to change the... We heard the same thing with Terry Hepner and Bill Lynch and Kevin Wilson and Tom Allen. The same stuff. Different resumes, for sure. But I'm saying the same stuff. And look where, where IU football is. So keep the text coming. Keep the hate coming. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You can remind me every time IU reaches bowl eligibility with Kurt Signetti. But I just feel like IU once again just didn't. Again, I would feel a little bit better about the hire if it is when they officially announced Kurt Signetti. They also um, announced sizable improvements to Memorial Stadium. Um I even don't know if Memorial Stadium is too far gone to even just say you build a whole new stadium because I don't really know how you how you make that thing better. But um, those would be major investments. You're making major money in your Big Ten contract. Invest in the football program. We'll, well see if Kurt they, Signetti is that. But I'm saying they've in, invested by things. by moving on from Tom Allen, hiring Kurt Signetti, investing three million dollars in NIL. They're getting the the new strength facility next month that'll open just for football at the facility. They're making those investments. Uh, several texts rolling in 46862. Uh, CK, Chip Kelly, career retread, perfect fit for IU, according to Kenny. <laughs> you wouldn't want Chip Kelly at IU? I would. Uh, this is the thing. is yeah. is just because guys... I mean, Chip Kelly at Oregon was a damn good football coach. Okay? Yeah. Everybody wants to judge him on UCLA. Dan Mullen won an, almost an average, close to nine games a season at, my, or at uh, Florida. And if he came in and just won six games a year, that's the thing is my expectations aren't come in and win. The expectations at Florida are different at IU. Is what I'm saying. I don't the think anyone has Oregon. expectations at IU of beyond winning five, six, seven games a year, get to a bowl every exactly. couple of years. Like that's, that's the bar. It, it shouldn't be hard to get there, but the retreads for Florida and, and UCLA and stuff like that are perfect matches. In my opinion, for Tom, if you, if for Indiana, if you want, Really infuse excitement. You bring in a big name coach, but they refuse to do it. Maybe Kurt Signetti works out, but um, you know I, I'm not buying into it. But hey, everybody else drinking the Kool Aid, more power to you. You were probably the same people that were over the moon over Tom Allen and Kevin Wilson and Terry Hepner and Jerry Donardo and Cam Cameron, but um, you know, not me. <laughs> Sorry. Four six eight six two. The text line number four six eight six two. We'll get to your text as well, but. Uh, Got to move forward in the show. Big Ten play starts tonight for Purdue and IU and basketball. We'll take a look at some of the keys for both the Boilers and the Hoosiers and some of the storylines. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Keep the text rolling at 46862. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. Our engineer texting me, uh, wanting to know what what your deal is with Memorial Stadium. Because it's ugly. So, like, what what would you suggest they do? Uh, Add some character to it. A remodel? Yes, significant remodel. Like, Brick it like Notre Dame Stadium, make it classic 1920. No, like. I just, uh, it's just, it, I, I've said this before, it reminds me of the Memorial Stadium in Fort Wayne when it was just a, a concrete, a cavernous concrete stadium. I mean, look at it. It's just, it's ugly. It's just gray. Number and one, they need actual suites, not the joke of the end zone suites that they added for this year with Costco furniture that they tried to pass off as suites that everyone yeah, mocked. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't help. I, I really think this, this and, and maybe it's helped by all you Kurt Signetti lovers, it doesn't help when it's half empty all the time. And it just, you you see the the character or lack thereof of the stadium because it's just, it, it's full of empty seats. But hey, clo- in closing it uh, really helped out bringing those, uh, those crowds in, didn't it? Well, Kurt Signetti, I'm sure, is going to pack the rock as IU hosts FIU August 31st, 2024. Hey, man, if it happens, it happens. I'll be I'll be I'll be grateful for IU football fans. I just uh, I, I, I'm not convinced, but everybody else is drinking the Kool-Aid. It's cool. Let me know how that goes, uh, positive or negative, start next year. And, and make no mistake. I mean, we're not going to be able to. The, the, the problem too is is positive or negative, and I'll probably fall into this next year if they struggle. Is judging somebody because Tom Allen won five games his first season, and his second season, and won eight games in his third season, and then was handed a million dollars, well more than a million, millions of dollars, six and two the year after, and then just just completely fell apart after that. So it's going to take a couple years to judge Kurt Signetti positive or negative. We're going to be able to see certain signs good or bad, but um, definitely the jury is going to be out for, for several years on if it works out. We shall see. Meanwhile, we'll also see about IU basketball opening up Big Ten play tonight. Purdue also opening up Big Ten play tonight. You can hear the Boilers right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM pregame at 8, tip at 9 as the Boilers travel to Evanston to take on Northwestern at Welsh Ryan Arena. Meanwhile, Indiana at home. They will host Maryland. And for for Purdue, we'll we'll start with them first. They're number one. They've been rolling this year. You don't want to see anything change. Northwestern uh, is lost in the only Power Six conference team that they played this year in Mississippi State. They're a, a team that has been up and down. These are both games uh, that they have. They have some talented players. Boo Booey's right. back. Uh, Brooks Barnheiser from Lafayette. Um, Love he, me some he, he flashed for, for them last year. Played pretty well. He'll be a factor. But I mean, this is not the Northwestern team of last year that you know finished what tied for second in the Big Ten. Like this is a game Purdue should have no problem with. Well, these are both games uh, tonight, which are the only two Big Ten games tonight, by the way, to kick off the schedule. IU needs to beat Maryland at home. And Purdue should go on the road and be able to beat Northwestern. So it should be a 2-0 night for these teams. Do you feel that confident in IU? Well, I'm not necessarily like I'm just I'm it's a game that they should win. At home against Maryland. Like these are the game. If you're gonna be 
a a a uh, tournament team. Tournament team, and I know we're talking about tournament in December, but you really need to hit the ground running in the Big Ten, right? I mean, with your this two week schedule that you have, if you can go two and zero against home against Maryland and on the road against Nebraska, then it's a good start. These Maryland, are winnable games. Maryland is is a team with talented players, but terrible results. I mean, they got Julian Reese, Jameer Young, Dante Scott. I, I mean, they have some talented players. The problem is. They're four and three. They lost to Davidson. They lost to UAB. They lost at Villanova. They don't really have any quality wins of note. And, and then they have IU on the road and Penn State the, the next two games. So this is not a good Maryland team. I don't know if they're going to be a good Maryland team despite all the talent that they have. Just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But to me... Like you said, I agree this is a game IU should win. I just, I don't have that trust. I I, ex- I expect them to lose until they can put together, <laughs> put together complete some. games and get something out of the guards. Because the interior play, right, you thought would be the question mark. That's not been a problem at all. It's It's been the backcourt play has been lacking. Three-point shooting has been lacking. There are just a lot of issues when it comes to that. And in terms of who will play, who won't play, uh, Coach Mike Woodson said that Malik Renew is ready to play despite suffering that lower back injury against Harvard. Meanwhile, Xavier Johnson, they are still evaluating his status for tonight, according to Woodson. Not ideal situation for Xavier Johnson. And, and that's really the, the, when you talk about question marks, is that's the biggest one heading into tonight for the Hoosiers. Is, is Xavier Johnson going to play? If he's not 100%, and I mean, do you even play him? Do you even... While we say, okay, you need to win this game, it is game one of 20 in the Big Ten. So, do but it's, you But it's a home game. You got to start strong, True, right? but if there's any possibility that that left ankle can be more seriously injured if Xavier Johnson comes back and tries to play on it without it being healed, then you're not playing him tonight. I mean, the fact that he was still uncertain yesterday makes me think that maybe it's not a good idea to have him go out there, particularly if he does get the assignment on Jameer Young who is one of the best point guards, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. In the country. Again, talented Maryland team. They're just not any good for whatever <laughs> reason. Like it's it's not a talent issue. They have talented players. They just don't seem to play well together. I I mean, their best win, <laughs> you look at the list, I don't know, is it Ryder? South Alabama? Ooh. Like I I UMBC, like seriously. The teams they beat in Mount St. Mary's, UMBC, South Alabama, and Ryder. Like this is not a good basketball team right now. Not good. Uh, when you look at, fr- we've talked about this about Friday night football games in the Big Ten. What's your feeling about Friday night basketball games? Eh, I don't feel as strongly about it. It You're is fine what it with is. it. Yeah, and there's so many of them. It's fine. I just, um, I don't know. I guess kicking off the Big Ten season feels like a bigger thing than playing on a Friday night. That I agree with. I have no problem because look, they play Friday night games. You know like Black Friday or the Friday after Christmas, like that's very common, right? Yeah, but, yeah. They're peppered throughout the season But the Big Ten schedule. kicking off on a Friday night, it does seem a bit underwhelming. Especially when you're like, oh yeah, that's right. They are playing tonight. So uh, we'll see. But I, if Purdue, I don't have to worry about. Purdue going to Northwestern, they'll win. Indiana, Maryland. I mean, when you look at, at yesterday, I spent way too much time going over Andy Katz's first uh, bracketology <laughs> coming out. Purdue, Fort Wayne, 15 seed in the South. How about that? But 
Not, IU what next four out? No, they weren't even that. So I'm looking. I'm looking at the field. I'm like, okay, where do they have IU or produce a one seed? Where they got IU? Oh, they don't have them in the field. Okay, first four out. Oh, they're not in there. Next four out. Oh, they're not in there either. Well, Andy Katz has zero expectations for Indiana. What has IU done to warrant being in the tournament as of right now? And I understand it's crazy early. There's no need to panic if you're if you're an IU fan. You're like, oh, they're not making the tur-. like. Relax. I think tonight though will be a good tone center. Setter with or without Xavier Johnson. If he plays, great. If he doesn't play, you know, can Gabe Cups handle running point for the bulk of games? Like they, they got to figure this out, right? Jalen Huchafino had to figure it out and figure it out quick last year. And you just wonder if that's happening all over again this year. Well, we said a couple weeks ago about how big of a stretch this was now with you look at these four games after Harvard and Louisville. And, and and now you go Maryland, Michigan, Auburn, Kansas is the next effectively 15 days. You go two and two, you, you should be feeling pretty good. Yes. One and three, oh and four, uh-oh. Not ideal. So this is very much a crucial stretch, as crucial as a December stretch can be for Indiana, because despite their six and one start, is that what they are, six and one? Um, Who? Indiana. IU. Um, five and one? They are five and one. Despite that five and one start, it doesn't seem like they're gaining any momentum nationally in terms of being relevant yet. But starting tonight, they can start trying to change that narrative. Jordan Geronimo, former Indiana Hoosier on the Maryland roster. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't either. I, I learned that yesterday. So uh, four six eight six two, the text line number four six eight six two. Meanwhile, the Indiana Pacers wasting away a big season so far from Tyrese Halliburton. He is on pace for a 50-40-90 stat line this year. Now, what does that mean? 50% shooting from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. And Halliburton on track in those categories as of the moment. Now, he was up and down in in some of those categories last night. But, I I mean, he is having not just like an all-star season. He's having an all-star starter, all-NBA type season. Well, you've been saying, too, in terms of the breakout and becoming more of a household name throughout the country in terms of NBA fans when you talk when you talk about uh, superstars in the NBA. And, and it seems like Alliburton at this point is trending in that direction. And the start has been absolutely tremendous for him. And I think what's been so impressive is the way he's doing it in a multitude of ways. You mentioned 50, 40, 90. Is it's not just a guy hitting a bunch of threes. It's not just a guy that's dominating in in uh, getting to the basket and finishing. He is in all facets of the game, playing pretty darn well offensively. But you could say that a lot about a lot of Indiana Pacers. You just can't say about it on the other end of the floor. Now he did have a bad night shooting free throws last night, so he actually dipped just below ninety percent to eighty eight. But he's well above in the other categories. So uh, that was a blip. Also, you got to get him more free throw attempts. I think that's part of the problem. Uh, but he's averaging 27 points a game on the season. You, uh, he's averaging 11.8 assists on the season. I mean, this that's is wild. That's a wild is, number. This is elite level NBA player that we're seeing right here. And it's just disappointing because we, we talked about this before Pacers top scoring offense, but also worst scoring defense. And that's <laughs> like, after the Rick Carlisle extension. I mean, that's the definition of feast and famine. Isn't it? Yes. Um, when you look at Tyrese Halliburton's production, and it is very important to have a marquee player on a roster to lure other marquee players to play with you. And people, some people will say, well, you need to be in a big market. Tell that to Milwaukee. Okay. So 
could you are you seeing what you need to see for Tyrese Halliburton to evolve into one of those guys that other players in the NBA veterans want to say, I want to go play with Tyrese Halliburton. I I think so. I mean, he leads the league in assists is 11th in scoring. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. If he could continue that over the course of a season and maybe to put two consecutive seasons together like that, then all of a sudden I think, Hopefully for Pacers fans, you have guys around the league that say, yeah, I want to go play in Indianapolis with Tyrese Halliburton. Just like they said, yeah, I want to go play in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with Giannis. Yeah. Uh, to me, he is a... Look, going into the year, we would have said he was, what, a top 20 NBA player? Yeah, now 20, you can make it make a case he's top 10. Uh, yeah. From the start that he's been on, in 17 games, averaging what he's averaging. Another huge game last night, as you mentioned, 44 and 10 assists. Uh, it's it's been very good start for Tyrese Halliburton this season. Can the seventeen game averages equate over eighty two games? That remains to be seen. But he's doing what he needs to do, at least offensively, for the Pacers. They just need to play a little bit more defense. <laughs> yeah, understatement of the year. Uh, so fifty forty ninety players in history. So Reggie Miller actually did it for the Pacers ninety three ninety four season. Um, some of these names pretty obvious. Larry Bird he's done it twice. Mark Price did it. Dirk Nowitzki did it. Kevin Durant did it. Steph Curry did it. Uh, with, uh, Of course, that year, the Warriors won, what, 73 games. Kyrie Irving. D- Durant's actually done it twice. Could, could you guess the player who's done it the most? And he, he did it four times. 50, former, 40, 90. Yeah. Uh, former two-time back-to-back MVP in the NBA. Played within the last 20 years. Okay. One of the all-time great point guards. Oh, point guards. Yeah. Uh... It surprised me. Steve Nash. Yes. He's done it four times. Wow. And there's one name on the list, former Indiana Pacer, but he did it in his final year with the Bucks. that does not seem to fit with everyone else, and that is Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> <laughs> he he did it 2018-2019. All right. I'm well, shocked go. that I got Steve Nash right. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't follow the NBA very well. I'm shocked. I feel very good about myself this morning. The textures are making me feel very bad about myself this morning, <laughs> but that... Made me feel very good about myself. Well, uh, we'll see how Dylan Sin makes you feel about the IU hire coming up on the other side. I'm Dylan text Sin him early of the Journal say, Gazette will join us next. I'm going to text him right now and say, follow my lead. <laughs> uh, he'll join us next to talk about IU hiring Kurt Signetti on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two on a Friday here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, thanks for being with us. On this rainy day in the fort, this hour on the show, Dylan Sin of the Journal Gazette will join us here momentarily to talk about IU hiring Kurt Signetti. Plus, the NFL, have they finally met their match when it comes to TV ratings? Well, we talked about the positives for one day. We'll talk about the negatives for the next from last week in the holiday weekend. And, Justin, I don't know if you saw this, but video game fans, college football fans, rejoice because it's back on. Excellent. I didn't see it, so looking forward EA to EA Sports about it. and the college football game back on for the summer of 2024. That's the good go. news there. And uh, we were talking about newspapers during the break. Well, a Florida newspaper is doing something for everyone this holiday season. Uh, we'll let you know coming up at the end of the show around 8.50, We're almost to that time. We're, it's already December 1st. We're 22 days away. Not, no, not 23, 24, no, 22 days away. In this particular holiday. Mm. And a Florida newspaper is there to help you out.
We'll get to that. I have a sneaking suspicion. (laughs) I think you know. I think you know. (laughs) But joining us on the guest line, it is Dylan Sin of the Journal Gazette. A lot to get to, Dylan. First off, thanks for coming on. Uh, I know you're covering a million things, but uh, obviously the Kurt Signetti news, IU hiring their next head coach, probably at the top of the list at the moment. Uh, why did Kurt Signetti rise above the other candidates, including a, a Jason Candle, a Chris Creighton, a Paul Chris? What made him different in Scott Dolson's eyes compared to those other guys? Yeah, my, my guess is that, first of all, he's, he's had the most success recently of those guys, right? Um, obviously, James Madison is 11-1. and one. I, know that, um, I know that Jason Candle is also 11-1 and one in Toledo, but the Sun Belt is a more difficult conference than the MAC. Uh, that's just kind of the fact. So, he, he's been more successful recently. He's been successful at multiple different levels. Uh, Division two, low-level FCS, high-level FCS, low-level FBS. Um, he's been successful everywhere he's been. So in terms of they were looking for a coach with experience, that he has that. They were looking for a coach who's a proven winner. He has that. They were looking for someone uh, who's gettable. Uh, that, that was also the case as well. I, I think they could have gotten Jason Candle. I think they could have gotten Paul Chris. But I think out of those three, he has probably uh, the best track record of the three, at least recently. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that of the three finalists that they had there, I think they got pretty pretty, pretty close to, to clearly the best option. And when you look at the hire of Kurt Signetti, what excites IU the most about him? Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's, it's basically what I just said, which is he's a proven winner, right? Like that's the, the axiom in college football that I think usually holds true is that winners win. Right, like you're obviously not going to hire a Division three head coach to, to coach a blue blood program in FBS right away. But like winners win, they move up a level and they usually keep winning because the the same things that keep, that keep you winning at one level keep you winning at the next level. It's just a, a higher a higher rated group of players, right? So um, he's he's had a head coaching the, the talking point that you're going to see a lot is he's had a head coaching job for 13 seasons now. He's never had a losing season in those 13 years, and that includes. The time he took over a team that went two and nine the year before he got there and took them to eight and four in his first season. So um, he is he is a winner. He is he has won everywhere he's been. Like I said, at multiple different levels, um, and he's a guy who I think the other part of it is that this is I think this is his last coaching job. I don't like he's not like one of these younger guys who is going to get the job. Hope that if IU hopes he excels and then in three or four years he moves on. Because doing well at IU means you have better opportunities. He's 62 years old. I think this is probably going to be his last coaching job or close to it. So um, I think that's exciting as well is that you can spin his age in a positive way. When you look at philosophically where Kurt Signetti is as opposed to Tom Allen and and priorities on the field. Do you do you expect a, a significant transition period? Do you expect maybe something like a Ryan Walters situation last year where you had a lot of guys in the portal, a lot of guys out? Uh, what's the continuity there? What do you expect with the offseason for IU with Signetti coming in? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a, a going to be a philosophical change. I don't know exactly how much of a change it'll be um, just because I don't think there was anything that Tom Allen was doing that was super like out there philosophically. Um, obviously, with Ryan Walters, you have like this defensive system that Ryan Walters likes to run. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But the, the thing is, with a coaching change nowadays, you're always going to have significant portal action in and out. That's just kind of how it works. I do think that he's going. He's probably going to bring in some guys from James Madison. There's talent on that team. I think there's a chance that if they had played this year, James Madison would have beaten IU head to head. 
Um, they did beat an FBS team or a, a Power Five team in Virginia uh, earlier this year. So um, there's some talent that he could bring over if that talent chooses to come. Um, so I, there will be significant portaling. I don't know if it means that they're doomed to a tough first season, just because that's the reality in college football now. Everyone has a lot of portal additions for the most part. I, you might have more than most because it is a new coach, but this is a guy who has done this before in terms of taking over to a new place and turning it around pretty quickly. Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette with us. So it has been announced that Signetti will coach James Madison in the bowl game. Obviously, we don't know what bowl game yet. Those will be announced, I believe, what, this weekend, next weekend? So it should, be, it should be Sunday. Yeah. Sunday? Okay. So bowls will be announced on Sunday. But with the portal opening on Monday, how will that impact IU recruiting in the portal, recruiting in general, signing day, all of that, as he's also planning to coach JMU's bowl game? Yeah, I think this is more common now than it used to be, and he'll obviously be kind of have have one foot uh, in both in, in both arenas. There, um, he said he is going to have to juggle bowl prep and and uh, recruiting in the portal and making sure his his guys that are in his current recruiting class uh, at IU stick around. Obviously, those are guys that Tom Allen recruited. Some of them are probably going to decommit. Some of them already have, um, and then you have to kind of shore up uh, high school recruiting because signing day is also December fifteenth. So. Uh, so that is important as well. But the other part of it is that he's going to have to be doing staff interviews uh, for IU. He's going to have to hire an offensive and defensive coordinator. Now he might bring some guys from James Madison for that as well. Um, but there's a lot going on in December for him. And I think that by the end of December, we're going to have an idea of how successful his first offseason has been. So it's a lot packed into a couple of weeks. Um, and, I, and I do think that creates some pressure on him. But the other part of it is, I do think that it's not the worst thing in the world for him to show loyalty to his uh, to his former team. I think that that matters in recruiting and and in staff hiring. So obviously he wanted to coach the team, and he's not doing he's not coaching James Madison in the bowl game specifically so he can do better in recruiting at IU. I think he wanted to coach James Madison in the bowl game and and finish out what he started there. But I also think it, it it's helpful for him going forward. How hard is it to balance those two thing two things, Dylan? Because as you mentioned, you have the portal, you have the early signing period, and all that stuff. Depending on when James Madison plays their bowl game, I would imagine it'd be mid December sometime. How 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 difficult will that be? And maybe two, how important is it to get a staff in place to handle some of those duties while you're still wrapping things up at James Madison? Yeah, I, I think I think it's usually important to, to start hiring some people pretty quickly here. The, the problem is, of course, that there are, there are coaches who are going to be in bowl games themselves. You're going to want to hire. I mean, for for example, um, I have been I am already pounding the table for them to hire um, Jamarcus Shepard out of Washington as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, a Fort Wayne guy, but also uh, a guy who deserves an offensive coordinator spot. I will probably get one here very soon. Um, but Washington is one win from the college football playoffs, and so it might be difficult to have him in place if that is a direction they want to go uh, in, in that sense. So you kind of see the dilemma that they're in. I do think part of it is that he's going to lean on his James Madison staff to do a lot of the bowl prep. I'm not sure exactly how much he'll be involved with that. Um, obviously, he's a guy who delegates a relatively fair amount to his assistant coaches at James Madison, so... I think that he will delegate some more and, and kind of be in both worlds there. We've seen this before. Now, we've also seen it backfire before. I mean, Scott Frost at Nebraska, he coached UCF in the bowl game so they could go 13-0, and and they did. And then he came to Nebraska, and they were a little bit behind the eight ball. It's not without its risks, and I think that that is something to, to monitor in December and see how that goes. Dylan Sin joins us. 
So you look at this Indiana program. They hire Kurt Signetti. They had previously announced a $3 million NIL boost in terms of, of getting players. Are there any other improvements or announcements on the horizon in, in terms of investments into the Indiana football program? Yeah, I think there's probably some more coming in terms of what the, the, the IU collective is coming up with. Like, I think $3 million is kind of a baseline for NIL. I don't think it's the, it's the end of the road there. I don't think they're just throwing $3 million at them and saying, here, here, this is your lump sum, uh, spend it wisely. And there's going to be more coming, especially if things go well in December with the portal and, and people can kind of see, hey, when I say people, I mean donors, to be clear, like the, the big money guys. Um, that they can kind of see, hey, this guy has a little bit of juice here in the on the recruiting trail, and this money is going to genuinely help him land some pretty big fish. Um, and I think you'll, be able, you'll see more of that. I would expect that there are going to be, as there always are um, ongoing, there's going to be improvements to facilities. Uh, they've done a lot of that in the last couple of years. I expect there will be more with a new coach uh, on hand. I'm sure donors will be lining up to, to give some money for that as well. So I, 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 I don't think, and this is something that I've talked to, that I talked about yesterday, is I don't think Signetti would have taken this job had he not gotten some promises that there was going to be money spent here. Um, I think that he, had, he would have been perfectly fine staying in James Madison, perfectly happy. I think he could have taken a job at Duke where they've significantly invested in football over the last couple of years here under Mike Elko. Um, so the, the fact that IU was able to get him suggests to me that IU has made pretty significant promises in terms of the financing of what they're going to do in football going forward. And that's exciting. Sticking with Indiana, Dylan, but uh, looking at the basketball side of things, Indiana gets the Big Ten season started off tonight. It, it really starts a crucial stretch, I guess, as crucial as December can be. But it'll be very indicative of where Indiana is over the next four games with two Big Ten games followed by games against Auburn and Kansas. In terms of of where you expected IU to be at this point, what they've what they've shown, is it matched your expectations? Incre- positive, negative? Is it way too early for any of those things? Kind of where do you stand with IU heading into tonight? Well, it's still too early to say where they're going to be at the end of the season. I do think it's fair to say that they're a little bit behind. I think everyone's expectations of where they were, where they would be at this time of the season um, before the year started. I think people thought they would be a little bit further, a lot further along offensively. Uh, or defensively, defensively, I'm sorry. Um, they have struggled in that area all season. It has not been very good. I, I, said, I said when they played Harvard Sunday, I, I said basically we have proof of concept of this offense. Now, you can talk all you want about how, how they don't shoot three-pointers, but they're shooting 60% on twos. Their offense has been very, very efficient for the last like three or four games here. We kind of have proof of concept of what they want to do. If they could just be below average on defense, there is a good team in there, but they're not really even close to below average on defense yet. They're still pretty bad. And so there, there have been slow signs of improvement as they're getting there, but it's going to be a process. So that's why I think this four-game stretch is pretty crucial. I think if you go 2-2 two and two in these four games, I think you're feeling really good about yourself with your IU that there are steps being made here. Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette joins us. Meanwhile, it's a Maryland team with a lot of talent, but they've completely underwhelmed so far this season, but they have one of the, the top guards in the country in Jameer Young. If Xavier Johnson can't go tonight, how much of an impact is that going to have for IU defensively and, and being able to, to compete in this game? I think it's going to have a significant impact. I, I think IU will be able to compete uh, just because Maryland is kind of a, a mirror image of IU where their offense is struggling, but their defense is very good. It has... has improved as the season has gone on. Um, so I, th- I think that they, 
it might turn into something of a rock fight, uh, even if uh, Xavier Johnson plays. So if he doesn't, that's even more true. I Obviously, Gabe Cups would likely be the starter. Um, if, uh, if Xavier Johnson thought you could talk me into starting Trey Galloway at the point and C.J. Gunn um, at shooting guard, although C.J. Gunn kind of got buried on the bench against Harvard. Uh, Mike Woodson probably seemed like he didn't like what he saw, something in the first half with Gunn. So um, I, would, I would assume it'll be Cups. I, I do think that that lowers IU's offensive ceiling at least a little bit, although obviously so much of their um, firepower has come through the post this season that they haven't really needed. They haven't had Xavier Johnson score much, and they're still doing a lot on offense. So obviously you hope he plays. It lowers the ceiling pretty significantly if he doesn't. Meanwhile, at uh, Purdue, ho-hum, number one ranking, they start off the uh, Big Ten season uh, as well this evening looking at the, the Boilermakers, and it's it just seems like all accolades, and Braden Smith was tremendous earlier this week. When you look at uh, Purdue heading into the Big Ten season and what they've looked like, do you, are you seeing what you want to see with guys not named Zach Eady to think that this year could be different come March? Yeah, I, I'm seeing some of it. Right. Uh, there's, I like, I, I, I'm all in on Lance Jones. I think he's terrific. Um, he, he gives them an element they didn't have last year with his ability to, to kind of break pressure by himself. Um, he doesn't really need anyone else. He could just kind of bring the ball off the court because he's so fast. Um, and he's a, a one-man fast break where as soon as he gets a rebound or outlet pass, he is gone and creating easy opportunities. I think that's huge for them. It's something they were missing last year. I still think there is a tendency for them to struggle against pressure, as we saw that against Tennessee. I think we saw it against Marquette, and they won those games. They also won games last year where they didn't play particularly well against pressure, and then it became an issue later in the season. So I think tonight is actually a really good uh, test for them because obviously Northwestern was was able to pressure them into a ton of mistakes last season. If you remember that second half against Northwestern in Evanston in a game that Purdue lost, they they turned the ball over 13 times in that second half, and they were bothered by Northwestern's pressure. Um, the guards, Zach Eady was bothered by it because they, they pressure big to big, Northwestern does. So I'm interested, interested to see tonight how this goes. I think Purdue probably wins because they're the better team. We said that last year, too, and Northwestern was tougher and more physical, and they came out with a win. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Dylan Sin, Journal Gazette, joining us. Where are you at this evening, Dylan? I'm in Bloomington. Um, I'll be the, the, the opening press conference for Kurt Signetti at 2.30. I'll be there, and then I will be at the basketball game at 7 o'clock. So I, you made it easy for us. Thank you to IU for that. <laughs> there you go. Dylan, as always, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette, journalgazette.net, where you can read his work or pick up a physical paper copy. Catch the latest and greatest uh, from Dylan covering... Basically, college teams, also tin caps during the tin cap season as well, and a little bit of high school sports. He, he does it all. D- Dylan, a smorgasbord. He does. He does it all at the Journal. Coming up on the other side, the NFL may have finally met their match when it comes to TV rating success. We'll explain that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Friday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Also, don't forget you can stream us 1380thefan.com via the free 1380thefan app or your smart speaker. That is free as well. If you can't listen in on your radio and if you miss anything during the show, maybe if you miss something in hour number one, our spirited debate on IU hiring Kurt Signetti, you can always catch up via 
podcast. Just look for it around 1030 every morning after the show on your favorite podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can download it for free on there as well. So the NFL, Justin, we we talked about previously their record ratings for Thanksgiving. The the early window was the most watched early window game ever. That game between the Lions and the Packers. Cowboys and Commanders, the second most watched Thanksgiving game ever. And second most watched regular season game ever, 41.8 million. Uh, only behind Cowboys-Giants Thanksgiving game in 2022. So a lot of success, right, for the NFL on uh-huh. Thanksgiving. They may have finally overdone themselves, and I, <laughs> I didn't know this would be possible. I've waited for it for years, right? We thought Thursday night football, right, would be too much. We thought adding games on Christmas will be too much. Uh, but the Black Friday game apparently was too much. That's where people said, nope, I'm good. I'll pass. The Jets-Dolphins game on Black Friday on Amazon Prime, 9.61 million viewers. That is the second worst uh, performance this season behind only Bears-Panthers, which got 9.56 million. Uh, no surprise as far as Bears-Panthers being worse, but uh, are you surprised by the Black Friday game getting such bad uh, viewership? You know, I kind of am because, well, the first off, the matchup wasn't. I, I know it was Dolphins, but the, the Jets, nobody cares about the Jets outside yeah, of New York. Unfortunately for the NFL, they got screwed as soon as Aaron Rodgers went yeah. down with that injury. Well, this we, year. we keep seeing that time again with primetime games with the Jets in them, anticipating Aaron Rodgers around, which he hasn't been since week one. But no, I don't. I, I, it's kind of surprising me because I kind of feel like, oh, the 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 men are at home while the women are shopping. I know it's kind of like uh, like misogynistic to say it, but it just kind of that's what comes. To, okay, everybody's going to go shopping, but the men that stay and don't shop, they're watching football. But there's college football on, plenty of college football on on Friday, and sometimes the, people are just too busy. But the, I don't think there's as many people that go out on Black Friday as there used to be. But it still is a big deal. People are recovering from Thursday, and I get it. And I think, two is you get a lot of football on Thursday with three games now instead of just two. And I quite frankly think that there's a certain amount of NFL fans that are just tired of the Jets. Well, I think yeah, a big n- thing no one well. wants to watch the Jets, for one. No. And the more that people talk about the Jets in terms of national media, the less people want to watch them. And... I just didn't think it was a very sexy matchup. If you put Philly and Dallas on, for instance, I know Dallas always plays Thursdays, but even this week, if you said you put Philly and San Francisco on Black Friday, it'd probably get a bigger number, but nobody's interested in Jets-Dolphins. That said, quote-unquote, nobody's interested means that <laughs> nearly nine, 10 million. nine and a half million people <laughs> watched. Here's my thing. I, I think the NFL, would this rating have been boosted if the Jets weren't playing, yes, but would it have been boosted that much unless it was like Chiefs and you know Eagles, right? I don't, I don't think it would have been helped that much. Like it would have gotten over ten million probably, but I, I just think this is a day where you, you mentioned shopping and it's not as crazy, but it's still busy. Yes. Also, people are out doing things with families. Like Thursday, football is a staple as far as you have the football game on, you eat, everyone's hanging out in a house. And it's Friday, just on. It's not you, just me. Yeah. You're watching it. It's just on TV. It's on. But on, on Friday, people are out doing things, whether they're shopping, whether they're getting their Christmas tree, whether they're doing family activities. Like, there's just a lot going on. 
And I, I just don't think there's a, a culture of, oh, the NFL Black Friday game, we got to watch it, right? I mean, first year, so you're not going to have that. But also, I just don't think that's something they can really build a whole lot on. However, however, it is the largest football audience on Black Friday since 2011. And that's including college games. So Missouri, Arkansas got just over $4 million on Friday on CBS. Uh, Texas, San Antonio and Tulane got $1.7 million on ABC. So it still destroyed every other football game that was on Friday. But it is lean by NFL standards. But that just shows just how crazy NFL numbers are. So 2011, would that have been an Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama? No, it was an Arkansas-LSU game. Oh, Average okay. $10.4 million, million, million viewers, viewers on CBS. Okay, that, that checks out because Arkansas was actually really good that year, and I, I can't remember. Who won that game? Do you remember? I cannot remember who won that game. I'm, I'm looking this up because I, I got to know. Plus, we have some news. So this was an LSU blowout, actually. LSU was number one, though, and Arkansas was number three. That ah, certainly see? helps. There you go. Always <laughs> helps with the number in front. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was why. Um, we got some news on Kurt Signetti already as he is making some hires. Uh, someone texting in, CK, it's crazy when $9.6 million is considered bad for the NFL. Yes. Agreed. Uh, but Kurt Signetti reportedly making some moves on his staff, bringing at least three JMU coaches to IU. Defensive coordinator Brian Haynes. Offensive coordinator Mike Shanahan. No, not, not that, that one. Mike Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that yesterday. And then quarterback coach Tino Sinceri. So you, it's Tino interesting. Tino Sinceri is, is interesting because he, uh, what, played at Pitt, right? His father was a coach. Uh, and so he's been the, the quarterback's coach there for the last couple of years. And I think it helps, too, with continuity because you can work on things. I mean, the, the dialogue doesn't change. So you're doing whatever you're doing at James Madison through the bowl game, then will seamlessly work as you head to to uh, Indiana. So I would imagine Haynes and Shanahan will be the DC and OC respectively coming over, but continuity is key for Kurt Signetti already building a staff. How, how do you feel about that continuity? And, and like, is that good? Is that bad? Like, do you, do you feel like he could get better if those guys are the coordinators? Um, I, I, I understand why he's doing it, but I question whether Bryant Haynes and Mike Shanahan are ready for Big Ten football. Because just like I do Kurt Signetti. So if it works out, it works out. But it's going to be easy to look at this next year and say, well, these guys weren't ready for these roles in a Power 5 league. But Signetti's going with guys that he's coached with and continuity within what he likes to do. And I I understand that. We'll see if it works out for Indiana. Uh, Shanahan was a guy who's been mentioned at several other schools as an offensive coordinator candidate, including at Pitt, uh, which, um, of course, where Tina Sinceri was a quarterback back in the day. But I, I think there's a, a lot to build on here. I just, I I don't know. I'm not sure if I get excited about the coordinators coming over. I understand other assistant coaches, but putting that kind of pressure on those guys year one, I, I mean, they had a lot of success. Don't get me wrong. But I can't disagree with you on the, the aspect of the pressure moving from the Sun Belt the Big Ten. Now, at the very least, Brian Haynes has experience. He has coached at Indiana in 2012, and he played at Ball State. He's a very good linebacker, if I remember, at Ball State. So he has ties to Indiana 
in particular in Bloomington and the state at large. So is that something that uh, Signetti looked at as, as being a fit for bringing Haynes over? Maybe, but I also think that it wouldn't, I know you have to work fast, but we just heard from um, Dylan talking about the um, offensive coordinator at, uh, at Washington. Mm-hmm. Well, well pa- pass game coordinator, Jamarcus Shepard. Yeah, from, Shepard. From I couldn't Fort remember Lake. his first name. Jamarcus Shepard uh, has experience, all that stuff. And you're looking at it as, is okay, you're bringing a coordinator from James Madison over with you, let's say offense, as opposed to a Jamarcus Shepard from Washington as their pass game coordinator. Uh, I don't know. I understand working fast, but are there better guys out there that IU could have pursued? Probably. But timing is everything. I mean, Shepard's not going to be talking until at least after tonight because they obviously have something to prepare for. If they can win tonight, they're going to the playoff. And then you wonder who knows when you can get a hold of Jamarcus Shepard, but uh, in terms of getting him to Bloomington, but I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like maybe Signetti could have done better than just immediately hiring both his coordinators and bringing them over. Shanahan, for example, uh, has been a Signetti guy through and through. And I, with him at IU Pennsylvania, Elon, James Madison, a couple different roles. Um, played at Pitt as well, so that tie-in. So it's just like I, I get like coaches want their guys, and that's how it works. When you win, it looks great. When you lose, it's like, well, you're why are you hiring your buddies, right? Right. That's the that's the big thing. Got to warn against. If it goes well, it's going to be great. If not, you're looking at it. Well, you're bringing your guys in, and they're not. The loyalty can only go so far. So we'll see if it works out for Signetti. Familiarity is everything, I'm sure, with guys that have been with him and stuff. And a new challenge at the the, the biggest environment they've been in uh, in their coaching careers. So I understand why you do it. I just hope that Signetti isn't overly um, committed to those guys if they're if they're not good, if they fail at their job. Four six eight six two. Your text line number four six eight six two. If you have more thoughts on the IU hire of Kurt Signetti as the next football coach. Let us know on the text line. Coming up on the other side, speaking of college football, we're back on. A lawsuit's been dropped. College football fans, exciting news. Get ready. Let's go. For next summer. We'll explain what that's all about next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. 46862. The text line number again, 46862. So good news came down yesterday. If you're a college football fan and or a video game fan, and that is that the college football 24 video game licensing lawsuit has been withdrawn. There's been a settlement. So the EA sports game is back on. Now, the last time there was a college football game was what? 2013. Uh, 2014. 2014. Can you name the, the, the player? player that was on the cover of <sighs> NCAA 14? I'll give you a hint. Denard Robinson. It was. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I was amazed. Sure. I was pretty sure it was Denard Robinson. Man, I remember that, that kind of jogged my memory because, of course, it could be only a player that had already left college. And I remember back in the day and on, on, on NFL draft night because EA would put out because they already had the builds of the players, even though they didn't have the names. And then they would then release the players. So if Denard Robinson got drafted by the Seahawks, for example, then they would that night release as the pick was made a couple minutes later, put 
Denard Robinson out in the Seahawks uniform. And it was just back in the day. It was just amazing. Uh, but yeah, Donard Robinson was the last cover athlete for a college football game. So with this lawsuit being dropped, it means the game can move forward. The, the Brander group had sued EA Sports back in June regarding the NIL deals. The video game publisher was offering college football players to appear in the game. Uh, EA Sports had signed on with a, a competitor, one team, a uh, competitor with the Brainer Group to facilitate those deals back in May. Well, good news, they've, they've settled. They're moving forward. It's still unclear as far as how the player payouts will go. If it will be a percentage, which we argued for, or like a one-time thing that you get. Players can opt in or opt out of having their likenesses in the video game. So it's ultimately up to the players. Uh, but good news. Nonetheless, there's finally some some movement on the horizon again. Summer of 2024, the expected release date. The franchise ran from 1998 to 2013. I can't see anybody opting out. Like, What's a good reason to opt yeah. out? So, but yeah. It says EA Sports will use generic player avatars to fill out the rosters in replacement of players who don't agree to have their likeness used. And now, will they just be player number 24 or? Probably. Okay. Yeah, just player Like 24 how they were before. Not, right. And they were from, it was always interesting because like the height and weight was very similar, but if they were from, let's say Fort Wayne, Indiana, it would list like South Bend, Indiana. So it was like really close, but not exact, <laughs> right? And stuff, and um, but no, I, I think this is going to be huge. Hopefully, it's for um, current. Well, it's for previous generation consoles. I only have a PlayStation Four, so I know everything's coming out with like PS Five exclusives and stuff like that going to next gen. Hopefully, it comes out PlayStation Four. I don't think I can convince my wife to allow me to get a game, a new console for college football. I hope maybe I'll just save my pennies. <laughs> But uh, I, I teasingly put it into in, in one of our lists on Amazon for Christmas. <laughs> Game's not even out. Well, no, the, the PS5. Oh, oh PS5, the PS5, yeah. and uh, that got shot down pretty quick. <laughs> I tried to get my, my son in cahoots with me because uh, he's got a Switch, uh, which he likes, but um, he wants a PS5 too. But no, mom wasn't wasn't down with that so so playing this game over the years uh one of my roommates and i like we like bought it in college because i think he had an xbox or xbox 360 we just shared the copy yeah and we played all the time and i think it was like ncaa 09 i'm trying to remember who would have been on the the cover then um but like Mm. i i this is a game where everyone kind of has their style like did you have a certain team you always played with or you always wanted to use a certain player or a certain style of play. Uh, Darren McFadden was on NCAA 09, by okay. the way, from the Razorbacks. I was always Notre Dame, uh, of course, Notre Dame fan. But my I was a completionist with NCAA football. Originally, I would print off uh, every Division One roster, FBS, <laughs> not Division One, but FBS roster. Yeah. Back when there was like 117 or so, yeah, yeah, and I put them in. The time, the time I put in, this was a, a guy that, uh, I was younger. This was when I was in high school and stuff like that. I would put every name in. And then I always started like, this is stupid. So I would put all Notre Dame game or players in, and then I would take like the top two or three rounds of the NFL draft and put their names in. Uh, because the fun was, you know, exporting those classes into Madden. But um, I was always really Notre Dame uh, growing up, but just... That was my favorite. I only played Madden just for the ability to export classes into Madden. 
and and see that. And I I loved NCAA football back in the day. It was amazing, and uh, can't wait to come back. I mean, when when you had all the bowl game affiliations and stuff, uh, it was just great. And I'm looking forward to the new iteration of it. Looking forward to it. It's a it's a game. So I never really owned the game outside of sharing that copy. But anytime I had the opportunity to play, I would play. It was a fun game. I was always that guy who would find a team and use the option. Right, Whatever yeah. team. So it was West Virginia, I think, for NCAA 09. With, yeah. uh, I want to say Noel Devine. I forget who the quarterback was back then. Gino, was it Geno Smith? No, no it wasn't Geno Smith. That was a few years later. But uh, yes, I could make that work. I, I even remember running option with Notre Dame and, and beating people with it. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't well, matter I mean, it the was, personnel. Yeah. I could pull it off. And it was very well. I, it was very, I don't think it had very team specific playbooks. It was pretty universal back then. So yeah, you can run the option with pretty much anybody if you wanted to. So, but yeah, those were, those are the days I, I can't wait. I mean, that that's, I'm going to have to, cause I, I, I don't game much anymore. I just don't have time. But when I do, uh, it's, it, I have a stack of like 10 to 12 games I need to work through on PS4 before I can even entertain getting a PS4. That's why my wife scolds me. But that may trigger me to have to get one is the new college football game if it indeed doesn't come out for previous gen consoles. So I, I don't really know the answer to this. Uh, obviously, every video game kind of has their like unbeatable player like yeah. Tech Mobile, Bo Jackson. Um, QB Eagles. Yeah. Uh, Michael Vick and Michael uh, Vick Madden 2004 04 yep I had that uh you have Wayne Gretzky NHL 94 right like just unstoppable like was there ever an unstoppable player that was far and above the the rest on an NCAA game for me man I'm trying to remember some names like Steve Uh, Slayton comes to mind as being really good and pretty unstoppable and like what NCAA 05, 04? Yeah, I I think when uh, when I think Reggie Bush, that's an obvious one. Was a, a fairly unstoppable. You know what? And talking about NCAA 09, you know who the quarterback oh, was? It was what it Pat was, White. It was Pat White. Someone just texted I just in. Remember, Thank you. That's who it was because he was unstoppable running the West yes. Virginia option. That's okay in so 09. Yes, Pat now White, it's all coming together. Noel Devine. That's why I was running the option. It was yeah. ridiculous. He was yes, unstoppable. Four six eight six two. If you had a favorite team or player, uh, we all know who the players were. You don't have to say Notre Dame quarterback number ten. You know <laughs> you don't have to do that. But if you have a favorite team or player, let us know on the text line at four six eight six two. But yes, Pat White and Noel Devine running the option West Virginia. That was my go to move for NCAA 09. Yes, I remember him, Pat White, and Reggie Bush as being those two dudes that were above everyone else. 46862, let us know your thoughts. Coming up next, we'll wrap things up. Uh, It is that time of year. And no, I'm not talking about the holiday season in terms of Christmas and New Year's and all that. No, another holiday coming up quicker than Christmas and a Florida newspaper will help you out. That's next. Caitlin Kinney in the morning as we wrap up on a Friday here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Uh, Just when you think you've seen it all on... Yes. Is this Get Up? Get Up, yes. (laughs) Get ups on the background. So the the TV in the studio is, I kid you not, stuck on ESPN. Like you can't change the channel. Correct. Which most of the time is fine. Not a big deal. But sometimes the the topics on the shows, like when we're on, it's just comical. The lower third on the screen, they're previewing the Pac-12 championship, which go figure. It's ESPN previewing the Pac-12 championship. They have Paul Feinbaum on. Paul Feinbaum on. Whatever. Uh, Paul. Paul. 
Uh, but the the lower third was should the winner of the Pac-12 championship be guaranteed a spot in the playoff? Yes, of the answer is yes. Should. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yes, they're in if they win tonight. There's plenty of other storylines to talk about in this game other than the obvious. Yes. Anyway, but we had text coming in real quick about uh, about college football, the new the video game about guys that would make their players big as possible. At quarterback, all they do is run the option or bootleg pass. I told you that there was a year, and I it was only a year where they had like guys that would randomly get suspended for cheating on tests or not showing up to class and all this stuff, and like you had to discipline them. That was quickly <laughs> put down by the NCAA after like one year. But that realism, I mean, that's real stuff. But it, you know, it was a, a negative light for college football. So the yeah, NCAA but if, didn't if, if you were in a power conference those punishments wouldn't have mattered exactly (laughs) exactly i can't imagine because recruiting was always the best part of the game and all that stuff now with recruiting in the portal i just can't wait to have to 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 do that stuff it's going to be amazing all right final story of the day the tampa bay times has announced they're inviting readers to submit their grievances for the year and they'll print the funniest complaints in celebration of festivus the fictional holiday from seinfeld so it's the 8th annual Tampa Bay Times airing of grievances. Open to anyone around the world who wishes to voice their complaints on any subject. Uh, the airing of grievances, of course, part of the December 23rd holiday, including the feats of strength, the metal pole. Uh, but we know, we know all, if you're a Seinfeld fan, you know all about Festivus, Festivus. Yes. which that's not the title of the episode. It's actually The Strike, the Babel yes. Strike, Season 9 episode. Uh, but they've set up a Google form. For anyone with a grievance to air. Hmm. Unfortunately, we will not be on the air on Festivus because our final show uh, will be December 22nd for this year. Which is the Friday. Uh Uh-huh. So so we have to, maybe we'll have to do an early Festivus. Maybe we'll do all that week, send in your grievances and we'll read them on Friday or something like that. Because I feel like people are airing their grievances daily to me (laughs) on the text line, which is perfectly fine. That's because you're a hater of Kurt Signetti. Well, yes, I always, uh, and and this is the thing is once I, once I pick a side and it gets a rise, I'm going to keep going. Like all you're doing is, uh, is, is making me stick to my guts. I I mean, I I went full steam ahead on the Purdue train in the preseason. Bowl game, beating Ohio State, all that nonsense. So I couldn't drop it. <laughs> I had to stick to my guts. That's not, someone going to say, I had to keep feeding that engine some coal to keep it exactly. moving. If it's a, if Signetti and I use 5-0 and o next year, I got to keep tearing it down i've i've committed to it now that i now the now i'm here now they got to own it so but yeah maybe we'll do that the week of uh week before christmas the airing of grievances not just on us we get that every day mostly me on the text line but just in general so we'll see but uh florida newspaper having some fun with festivus for the rest of us that's right well that wraps it up thanks to dylan sin and the journal gazette for joining us for justin kinney I am Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick Show up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush, not with Brett Rump today. He is out. Shannon Griffith filling in from 4 to 6. And don't forget, high school basketball season tips off tonight. Carol Homestead in a girls matchup game and postgame show. A game starting approximately 7.30. You can hear it exclusively on the stream at 1380thefan.com. Have a great weekend, everybody.